The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. What is up, everyone? Another week of Big 12 football is in the books. Already week six down through, and we're going to be breaking it all down over the next two hours. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, host of KSL Sports Zone's Unrivaled What's Weekdays. What's up, Mitch? It's Big 12, baby. It's, it's, it's the Big 12. <laughs> it's going to be a great day today, <laughs> Alex. we got so much to get to because, once again, I feel like the Big 12 gods just give us endless amounts oh, of content because there's either a huge dumpster fire or a great <laughs> win. It's incredible every single week in this league. Do you do you uh, do you prefer the chaos or do you want like, hey, I want traditional. <laughs> I want some powers at the top. Give me the middle class and then give me the garbage at the bottom. Everybody can beat up because that model works the best for the college football playoff, right? I mean, right. So I mean. In the end, the chaos for us we like, but, I mean, everybody else looking around in all the other conferences right now go, hey, you've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. No surprises. Every week is a trap game in conferences. That's what you're finding out, right? I mean, that's exactly how this works. Uh, Every week takes on a little bit more meaning. And, of course, let's kick things off. We've got our headlines, and let's just get right to it. And, of course, no BYU game to discuss for this week. But that doesn't matter. We have so many other things to roll out here for you and also preview the second half of the season. It's all coming up. But let's get first to our Big 12 headlines, the 12 headlines that stood out to us today. 12. 12 headlines. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The dozen storylines that shape this week of Big 12 football. Headline 1. You know where we're starting. Oklahoma (laughs) takes down Texas in the final Red River as Big 12 members. Oklahoma 34, Texas 30. It lived up to all the hype. It was an amazing college football game. Yeah, and, you know, you think about last year, the the comparison to the 49-0 drubbing that the uh, Sooners took at the hands of the Longhorns, uh, this is exactly the one that I grew up watching. Just a back-and-forth seesaw battle. Both teams ranked. Both teams undefeated. And Texas, the number three team in the country, uh, falls. And you know what? I mean, you shouldn't be surprised because this is what is going to happen. I mean, and then next week, of course, everything changes again. That's headline number two, of course, which is that the Longhorns dropped that first game of the season. And now, Mitch, the question is, what exactly happens the rest of the way? Because you've got now an undefeated Oklahoma team who's going to surge in the rankings. Texas probably won't fall that far, but, I mean, we're, we're, we're in the argument for a couple of teams. The worst teams that nope, that Brett Yormark doesn't want to see in this thing, but, man, my goodness, uh, Oklahoma and Texas, as advertised right now, at least in this game today. That they are, and Oklahoma's defense, you know, they still gave up 527, but, man, they were opportunistic, and it was a far different cry from the defense we saw a year ago that gave up 49 and got completely destroyed against the Longhorns. Brett Venables has turned it around in short order, and I think they they heard all the the chatter and maybe even people like myself saying, "Eh, I'm not sold on Oklahoma yet. They're a byproduct of the schedule. Well, they gave a huge statement that they are for real. Headline number three, Texas in the game had some notable injuries to monitor. Starting center Jake Majors left, and then safety Jalen Catalan, the former Arkansas transfer. I noted this because his absence had an impact on that final defensive play 
where Dylan Gabriel connected on the touchdown yeah. score, and that's that freshman safety that stepped in uh, kind of had a missed assignment on that motion read, and it clearly had an impact as – OU gets it done in Red River. Well, you obviously have to bring in Arch Manning at this point, Mitch. I've said it all <laughs> along. You go to QB3 as soon as number three falls. Headline number four, by the way, Brett Yormark, nowhere to be seen at the biggest game of his conference's uh, entire season. Why is that? Well, of course, because both teams are headed to the SEC. And don't worry, because in comes Greg Sankey, who shows up and goes, hey, I'm glad that you guys are part of this whole thing under the shadows of big techs there in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, Brett Yormark absent, the SEC commissioner welcoming his two two new teams. That's a fun addition for them, and it's a big loss for the Big 12 not to have that game going forward. I'm sure the other side of another rivalry involving Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam, I'm sure they have no harsh feelings seeing Oklahoma leaving the league in the future. Oklahoma State got a big win over the weekend on Friday night. They defeated defending Big 12 champ K-State in their first Friday game since 1956. Oklahoma State rises from the dead and gets a huge win. Yeah, it's weird, too. And, again, we're looking at a totally different scale now. And these – look, we've said it the last two or three weeks – but these Big 12 power rankings are going to get murdered again. <laughs> Just an absolute bloodbath up and down on this thing. Number six on your headlines, quarterback change at Kansas State. I mean, you you definitely – look, Chris Kleiman's got a lot of stuff to figure out. Kansas State already two losses in. The defending Big 12 uh, championship winners from last year, we gave them that, that mulligan loss earlier in the season, but now they've got their mulligan conference loss, and it came way too early in the year, Mitch. Will Howard was bad at quarterback, 44% completion rate, had three interceptions. They've got, And I think the reason that there's got to be some conversation about a quarterback change is they got a heralded freshman and Avery Johnson. No, not the former San Antonio Spur <laughs> that had the unique voice. Uh, it, this four-star cat from Wichita, Kansas, who they are very high on, it might be time for him to step in and be the guy going forward for Kansas State. How about this one? Headline number seven, Iowa State blows out TCU in a historic game for Iowa State. It was the 100th anniversary of the Jack Trice game. They had four interceptions on TCU. First time they've done that in a Big 12 game since 2005. How about TCU absolutely getting caught in a trap game? Maybe they're thinking about the Cougars already on this one, <laughs> but they look very gettable down there in Fort Worth for the Cougs next week when they go down. Headline number eight, Chandler Morris, speaking of TCU, suffers a knee injury. Their quarterback, uh, redshirt freshman Josh Hoover, comes into the game to replace him. That is not a better option than Chandler Morris, a quarterback for the Horn Frogs. It definitely is not. It had vibes of Max Duggan stepping in last year in week one, but there's no Max Duggan on this bench. I mean, and it was notable, too, in the in preseason. Remember, they had Oregon State transfer Chance Nolan, who abruptly left the program yes. when Sonny Dykes said, Chandler Morris is going to be QB1, so uh, very thin, and TCU on the ropes. All the momentum that they built last year, built last year, Alex is completely shot. They're 3-3 three and three now, and wow. they got a lot of questions going forward. Number nine, Kansas in a bounce-back game after that blowout to Texas last week. They then blow out UCF. Yeah. Still no Jalen Daniels, but Jason Bean had a huge game, and the ground game was huge for Kansas. They ran for almost 400 yards. Yeah, Devin Neal is a beast, and you can kind of see why. BYU had a little bit of a hard time, especially in that second half, stopping him. But 51 points they put up. And right now, UCF, should we go back to calling them Central Florida yet? Because, listen, <laughs> 0-3, haven't gotten their first win yet in uh, in conference play. Number 10 of your headlines. After announcing their extension to Gus Malzahn, UCF is not just struggling like we just mentioned, but they are absolutely – I mean, John Reese Plumley uh, left in the first quarter, 
I don't know where he's at. I don't know where their team is right now, but they were absolutely lost today against Kansas. They were a mess, and yeah, clearly John Reese Plumley was not healthy, so that's why I had to go back to Timmy McLean. Headline number 11, Texas Tech cruises to a comfortable win in Waco against Baylor. Now two wins in a row since Tyler Shuck went down. Baron Morton's doing a nice job for Tech. They're now suddenly 3-3. Three and three. We were like this close to putting Texas Tech almost off of the, <laughs> of the power rankings. And then here they are, and here Oklahoma State are. They both have three wins apiece. They're both 3-3 three and three on the season. It's just absolutely wild. Three of the Big 12 newcomers uh, were on buys this week. No newcomer has defeated a legacy member yet in uh, in conference play. So now looking for that one uh, to be to be knocked over, I guess, in terms of new things that need to happen for the Big 12 uh, new members here. Mitch, those are your Big 12 headlines on a day where you had a lot of people on buys, but it didn't matter. There was still a lot of action. So many things going on. And, of course, uh, we're going to bring it all to you every week. Let's take our, uh, our first break of the day. And when we do, we will come back. Let's break down a little bit of BYU, Mitch, shall we? Let's get to do it. what BYU had done in the first half of the season here. They are 4-1, and one, and they have their first win in the Big 12 play. They're going down to TCU this next week. How was the bye treated by the team? How does Kalani treat this thing? And, and what do they have to do to get better for that second half of the season? It's all coming up right here. It is first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio, also heard on the KSL Sports Zone every Sunday, 10 to noon, and also on KSL News Radio, 3 to 5. So we will be back. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie, right around the corner. Stay with us. Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU insider Mitch Harper. That's kslsports.com. Segment number two of the program. It is your first and 12 right here every Sunday on KSL News Radio. Also on the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie here. I'm on the KSL Sports Zone during the week on Unrivaled. And of course, as the voice just said, Mitch Harper. He is our BYU insider for KSLSports.com uh, and also on KSL News Radio. You hear his voice all throughout the week on, on Cougar Tracks, etc. cetera. Uh, we've got so many things to jump into here, Mitch. And I, look, I mean, without a BYU game to break down, let's break down the first part of the season here. Certainly not the first half of the season. They're, they're five games in, uh, but close enough. And so have we seen enough of this BYU team to kind of know, oh, this is who they are. This is what they're about. Or are you looking at it and going, nah, there's still a lot that this team has to kind of prove before we know really what they are? Or is five games a big enough sample for you? I, I feel it's more the latter. I feel like we're going to learn a lot, you know, in the next seven games. I mean, this this month in October is where we're going to learn everything we need to know about BYU, where, you know, rubber meets the road for this team. Because I think through the first five games, it's just – it's it's like they're winning these games in just unconventional ways, and you just feel like long-term, that's not going to sustain itself. You can't do that every single week and have that be a winning recipe. Yes, you can find a way to be minus 200 against Cincinnati, and you get a pick six, and you still win a game. But against Texas, against you know maybe even Texas Tech who's surging, that's not going to work, it feels like. It feels like. I mean, now, this is BYU's first first voyage through all this in the Big 12, but it just it seems like they've got to play better and, and be a little more consistent. But i got to say, though, Alex, I think this is a resilient group. I remember last year at the New Mexico Bowl, the last game of Independence, Kalani Sataki telling me, in a one-on-one, he's like, we have to be a more resilient and a better uh, a program to face adversity 
than we were in 2022. I feel like Kalani's achieved that with a lot of the newcomers they added through the portal. I do feel like this is a resilient group. They're they're veteran as far as a lot of the guys they're turning to, and they've stayed relatively healthy. So I think that sh- that's something that I do feel like is a is a plus that I've learned about BYU through these first five games. By the way, our program is always brought to you by Macy's grocery store happy shopping the freshest fruits and vegetables from local farms your favorite local brands macy's uh the grocery store you trust happy shopping at macy's hey i want to say this though any guesses on byu where they're at on total offense if you were to guess right now where would they be in total offense out of the i don't know what is it 133 teams now in division one or i think it was 120 is where they're at hey they've improved a little bit (laughs) 117 mitch 117th in yards Jeez. per game at just under 318. And that's, I mean, I, I would love to say that's not going to get it done, but they're, they're 80% win rate right now. Flies in the face of everything else. Now, their defense, their total defense, they're just kind of dead middle of the pack, right? Around 50-ish for uh, their total defense. Uh, in terms of scoring offense, now this is the part that's wild, right? It's just like you were talking about. The unconventional way of getting there is they are 53rd in Point in points scored on offense, so much much better uh, right there. But in terms of how to get this, well, part of it is is they just don't run as many plays as the other team that they're facing. It seems like week after week, their time of possession is 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 minuscule compared to these teams that they've been playing. Obviously, if you're a team, you don't go in there and go, "Look, we want to have the ball less than BYU does." Okay. Like we, we want them to have the ball more because apparently when they have it less, they win more. I don't know how this works because it is unconventional. It's a totally weird way. I mean, I don't know if I should just be like heaving kudos on, on A-Rod and his offense to be able to go, look, in the few amount of plays that we're going to run, we're going to score 31 and a half points a game uh, and only running half of the plays of everybody else. So, I mean, maybe by the math you go, look, they could score 50 points a game if they had a third more uh, plays. I'm not sure, but – it's the unconventional part. It's the part that you look at and you go, all right, I'm, I'm not super impressed by that. Obviously, the rushing number is abysmal. It got a little bit better, of course, for Cincinnati. Is that going to be a trend that goes all the way upward uh, after these next few weeks? That's the biggest one. That's the one, Mitch, that everybody's been complaining about. And I'm on board in that same space going, I don't know what they have to do to be able to get it going, but here's what's good. Uh, some of the guys you're going to get coming back from injuries, they should be getting right coming back from the bye week. Keaton Slovis is finding a stride right now, and I think that he's the guy that everybody thought he was going to be right now. What's your grade so far for Keaton Slovis at QB for BYU? I'd say a B plus, maybe leaning closer to an A minus, but I'll go B plus because there has still been some some passes that you think back to the Kansas game, the pick six at the beginning of the third quarter, that was kind of a disaster moment. Last week against Cincinnati, he had a near you know, pick six there too. So he's had his you know, poor passes, but for the most part, he's done a really good job, especially in an offense that has been one-dimensional. And I think his off-the-field intangibles too. I, you know, I was talking to Tyler Batty this past week during the bye, and, and he was speaking about Keaton Slovis's leadership, how everyone – believes in him and it's not just and you know I I try to filter that sort of conversation think is this just player speak is it coach speak but I I just feel like there's enough people Alex where I feel like that's kind of the the truth where these guys are really buying into Keaton Slovis I just feel like he's done a really good job for BYU all things considered I think another guy 
that has done a really good job that I don't feel like I need more games to understand his significance to this team. I know it's I'm cra- it's crazy to say, but it's the punter, Ryan Rico. You look at like the stats, <laughs> net punting. I, I hate turning to the special teams aspect, but it you. does matter. 19th nationally in net punting this year. BYU's flipping fields, and it kind of reminds me a little bit, Alex, of some of those teams when – you know, Utah was on the come up in the Pac-12, and you know, obviously they're a future Big 12 member, but they would resort to elite punting with Hackett and Wisnowski and then just, you know, play the field-to-position mm-hmm. game. And I think BYU has done a great job in that. I mean, they're plus 11 in, uh, you know, average down, uh, average yard uh, field-to-position field uh, to start drives on, against opponents, and I think that's playing a role in BYU winning in these in these ways that you wouldn't expect based on the, the stats they're at right now. Let's go back. I want to just show you some stats from Keaton Slovis again. And this is why BYU fans should be a little bit optimistic, a lot optimistic, I think, about what the next uh, – again, we're not even halfway through the season for Keaton Slovis. And yet, Mitch, he, he has already matched his total for passing touchdowns last year at Pitt with 10, uh, only five games in. Now, he played in all 13 games for Pitt last year and only threw 10 touchdowns for them last year and nine picks. He's 10 touchdowns and three picks this year. He's uh, more than halfway to the yardage mark in under half of the throws that he actually attempted last year at Pitt. So, obviously, the system is working better for him. The talent around him is getting it done better than he had at Pitt. Uh, Whether or not it's going to be the 30 touchdown totals that he had his freshman year, at uh, USC, yet to be seen, but certainly he's finding a resurgence there as well. And I think BYU fans should be uh, pretty excited about him. Let's uh, take a quick break here. When we come back, let's jump into a couple things that Kalani Sitake said. One, about the bye week, and another about how to get better in that second half of the season and what that schedule looks like uh, for the Cougs when they come back here, Mitch. So we'll take the break here. We'll come back. It's all brought to you by Macy's. It's first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio on the KSL Sports Zone. Stay right here with us. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie, right around the corner. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Curie on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Felt a little different this weekend, Alex, seeing BYU on a bye during the month of October. Typically, in recent years, it's been Thanksgiving weekend, it seems like. They get a, they get their first bye week with Independence, but in the Big 12, you get an early bye in October, and it was much needed. It comes at a good spot for BYU as, as now they look ahead to the seven straight weeks. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie, here with you until noon, and if you're listening on the podcast, first and 12 on kslsports.com and all major podcasting platforms every Sunday here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. How do you feel about this BYU football team? Expectations for the next seven games on this schedule. This is where it feels like the the meat of BYU's Big 12 schedule is on deck for the Cougs. Yeah, it's a it's it's a lot. I mean, when you look at it, the next seven games. I do think it's funny when you do chat with people now, Mitch, who go, well, look, they can go five and two, <laughs> you know, and you go, all right, settle down. And yes. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to dog anybody's uh, dreams here, but if you see errors or if you see Oklahoma and Texas, if you watch that game today mm-hmm. or yesterday, the red river rivalry is, or the red river, what are they? No, oh, it's the rivalry, whatever it, this, those teams are really good. And BYU's got to play both of them. Right. And then you look and you go, a classic rival in TCU coming up next week. Uh, Texas Tech, who's starting to find themselves a little bit. 
Oklahoma State who's starting to look scary again, and they tend to get better by the end of the season, and that's BYU's last te- uh, last game of the year. So they only, and then you thought maybe an easy out could be Iowa State coming to town. No such thing, mm-hmm. right? Matt Campbell's got his guys playing well. So I look at this and go, this the next seven games for BYU are an absolute gauntlet, and it's exactly what you signed up for, and you should be excited about it. Uh, here's what Kalani Satake said about. Uh, the bye week and what they were looking forward to and kind of getting right as a team and and what they can do to kind of get rested up a little bit for the rest of that insane and ridiculous schedule the rest of the way out. One thing that I'm really, really excited about and from watching the, you know, the entire season, really proud of our guys, our players, our team um, for the fight that they have in them. I, I love the, the the physical part of the game, the aggressiveness. I also like that uh, we knew going into this season was going to be uh, kind of a, a battle every week, and um, especially when we get into conference, and that's kind of been proven. We, we've we've been through the transition before. A lot of guys on our staff of going from uh, a, a G five, or in our case, an independent to a, into a power program, a power conference like the Big Twelve, and so we knew that there was going to be there's uh, there's going to be some things about that that were unique, and we knew that the having the battle, being committed to the physical part of the game, and being committed to, you know, getting depth at every position. And so we're sitting in a really good spot right now going to the bye week. Um, but after evaluating it, I'm really proud of the boys, proud of the team, proud of, proud of the, the coaches, uh, the, their commitment to each other and to our culture, but also commitment to just knowing that they got to battle it out. And that, that's kind of been proven in, in, in every game. And you're looking at the, the, the Big 12 Conference, a lot of parity, but also you're looking at the, there's there's large leads that aren't safe. There's a there's, there's uh, a lot of a lot of games coming down to the wire, and so uh, that that's just going to have to be part of it. You got to be ready for a battle every week, and uh, and we knew our our guys would be committed to it. And it's just nice to evaluate and watch the film and see that these guys are committed to doing that every week. And if we can get that done, I, I feel really good about our chances in going to the last seven games of the season. What you should feel good about, Mitch, if you're a BYU fan, is that BYU has learned a lot from playing behind, coming back, getting wins in weird scenarios. That stuff comes back, and those scenarios come back up again. Close games are going to happen the rest of the way. I, I think that those lessons have been invaluable for BYU so far. Definitely, and I think it also helps that they've got talent to get better, uh, a lot better. And, you know, every single week it seems like Kalani Sataki in the postgame podium – Man, we're, we wish we could get a little bit more perfect in this area. Every single week he's talking about, you know, wanting a perfect game. Kalani was asked, you know, what's it going to take to get a perfect game? This was him on what it's going to take to get to that level. I think for me, it's like seeking the perfect game. I don't know if that's ever going to happen in football. You know, it's all all, all the plays going our way um, the entire entire game. I like to see it. That's what we're striving for. But, um, you know, the commitment to doing that is one thing. Um, just, just it, it's not just in the game. It's what are you doing during the week? Are you committed to your nutrition? Your to, to the, the advantages that you can find um, any which way? Are you, are you trying to find the ways to be focused and just trying to get better in every practice, every rep? And so that's uh, we we have guys that are improving in 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 football and their football IQ and even in our in our system that aren't getting reps. And you can see it when when they have an opportunity to play. And so when guys aren't able to go, we had young guys step up and fill in really nicely. And that's, that's a lot of different positions. And right now we don't have to call on a bunch of guys, but we know that we can if, 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 uh, if needed.
you know, and we'll, as we look through this, the practices this week is kind of maybe test our guys and see how far they've come in the last five weeks. We know what they did in fall camp, and maybe there could be some really interesting battles for competition, for playing time uh, throughout this week. Now that guys guys are battling the injury part and they're trying to get to 100%, there's guys that are at 100%, and maybe they just they lacked a little bit of experience or maybe knowledge of the system, of the scheme. And now we're at the point where uh, there's not a lot of new newcomers. Everybody kind of knows a little bit more about what we're trying to do in all three phases. And now let's see what we can do with the competition now. It's interesting, too, Mitch, as you look at what the rest of the competition is. And then also the guys that you kind of would have necessarily – you would have expected to, heard, to have heard their name a lot, right? But think about how different our expectations have become for guys like Aiden Robbins at this point, right, compared to what we thought at the beginning of the year. Or even a, guy, a name like Cody Epps. Now, I think Cody Epps is a name that people are hoping to hear a lot from in the next seven games uh, for BYU. Uh, but but I will say, who knows? Everything starts to take shape in a different way. I don't know what injuries are going to play in that side of things, Mitch, but certainly there are guys that you haven't heard from. But as you said, the talent is there, and so far the depth has also kind of been there as well. It's the deepest team Kalani's had since he took over as head coach in 2016, and I think it's shown that. And I thought the, you know, the aggressive approach that this staff, you know, highlighted by the addition of Jay Hill as defensive coordinator, uh, you know, they were, uh, you know, they they done a nice job in assembling options because you typically by BYU standards to this point, it's a you know banged up group and, and they're just kind of withering away and fans are losing interest because then it becomes the the dogs the schedule well, now it's not I mean it's been it's kind of been fun to see BYU have a slow build up instead of this triumphant September where everyone's just thrilled and and everyone's there's these highs of highs like last year when they beat Baylor now it's time to actually peak maybe in October or November uh, that's been something that's a new dynamic for BYU that they haven't experienced in a long time and, and that's a challenge for them with this Big 12 schedule. And when you look at the league right now, Alex, I mean, we, we're talking about every single week here on 1st and 12. There are so many things where we feel like, okay, this is going to happen, and then the outcome mm-hmm. is just a complete 180 and it turns itself on its head where you go, like, why can't BYU maybe be a top-five team in this league? I know it sounds crazy to say. Look, I just saying it makes me kind of feel a, a little what, – what's the, what do the women say about their husbands on TikTok? An ick. It's my, it's my <laughs> ick. Like, I, I kind of feel icky just saying it, but, yeah. hey – Maybe there's an opportunity because this league just seems like no one wants to take claim of being the teams after Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, it's uh, boo-hoo. The, the, the conferences, you know, there's parity, and it's comparable in terms of talent. You know, I mean, if that's the complaint people are going to have, then whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I do not care for, the you know, the people who go, no, you're supposed to have – a couple of really good teams, some people in the middle, then very, very bottom feeders. Then don't mess that up. But right now, it's getting all messed up, and, and who cares? Like, what, I what love do you, it. What do you want? Like, I mean, honestly, at the end, if it's Texas and Oklahoma in the, in the championship game, that's something we'll talk about in the next segment here. If they end up meeting up again, boo-hoo. The two biggest names in your conference right now, maybe you don't want to see it going forward, but if you were to really talk about it and go, give me another Oklahoma State-Baylor matchup from a couple of years ago compared to that, no thank you. I mean, I'm just I'm saying that from a college football history standpoint. And, if you're, and, and, and really, in a way, kind of send those guys off and be like, somebody else has got to be the next person up. And that's certainly one of those moments where BYU goes, yeah, why not us? Why not this this team uh, from Provo, uh, even compared to all the teams who are coming in from the Pac-12 next year? So that, now there's a lot going on with that. That's the challenge in front of them. And we'll we'll talk more about 
you know, what's going to be the power rankings a little bit ahead. But next we got to get to that Texas-Oklahoma mm-hmm. game. Red River was epic, Alex. We'll hit on that. And if we're going to maybe see that as a part two in the Big 12 championship down the road, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. Texas and Oklahoma, our Big 12 featured game next. It's first and 12 here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU insider Mitch Harper. That's kslsports.com. All right, welcome back. It is first and 12 right here with you on a Sunday. Alex Keery, Mitch Harper. If you download the podcast, you can find it wherever podcasts are found on any of the major uh, podcast platforms. Wherever you find fine podcasts that you download yourself, you can find first and twelve. Alex Curie, Mitch Harper, as I said, and uh, we're here. We're heard on the KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio every Sunday uh, morning and afternoon on KSL News Radio. And then, of course, you can uh, dip in onto uh, Unrivaled during the week. Anything on the KSL Sports Zone, and then read Mitch Harper. Oh, tomorrow, are you guys going to have a normal uh, Cougar Nation on the air? Because I mean. What are people going to do? Call in and and uh, bicker about a game that wasn't? Or are they going to call in and, and and complain about Texas and Oklahoma? What's going to happen tomorrow on on Cougar Nation, Mitch? We'll have a Big Twelve spin, I think, on Cougar Nation, but we'll also get uh, people's thoughts. Maybe the best player through the first five games, some takeaways. What's maybe the game you're excited for the most? Because yeah. hey, with this Red River game, maybe the game Ooh, that people yeah. are excited for more is now Oklahoma. Yeah. It's uh, it's exciting. So let's break down our featured uh, Big 12 game of the week brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store. Happy shopping. Macy's Groceries brings you the freshest fruits and vegetables from local farms and your favorite local brands. It's Macy's. Uh, proud sponsors of First and 12. Mitch, let's start off with uh, the Red River Ravelry. Red River Ravelry. Uh, everybody buckling down, grabbing a, a fried stick of butter at the Texas State Fair in the shadow of Big Tex there. Uh, and it, it is a, it is a unique situation still because this is the, this is the old school Cotton Bowl, yeah. Uh, and I love to see that burnt orange and that I don't know what they call it, gross maroon or dirty crimson. I'm not sure what they go, Dr Pepper. I don't know what the, what the color is they call <laughs> Oklahoma, but to see that split right down the middle of the 50 yard line, it's always a really really great tradition. That is something that we will absolutely miss. From uh, from these two teams being in the Big Twelve, but it delivered. It wasn't the forty nine to zero blowout that we've seen in the past, and uh, thank heavens for that. It was a back and forth, and I think we're going to see these teams maybe face off again. It was classic, you know, Texas Oklahoma. It kind of reminded me of you know when I think of this game, I think of Ricky Williams flying in with Teddy Lehman and against Chris Sims. You know, like moments like that. Uh, Vince Young, Colt McCoy in these games. I mean, this is. This is a big-time game, and, you know, it's a little bit sad to see that it's no longer going to have the the XII, the Roman numeral Big 12, on the field anymore at the Cotton Bowl. And it's clear, like, it's it's all about the SEC. Greg Sankey was there, and, you know, it's going to be a big deal for the SEC going forward. But i, I got to say, like, the one thing I feel like with these two programs in – the Big 12 is that they've always been, you know, kind of bigger than life. And it'll be interesting to see how they are viewed down the road. I know there's still a long way away till next year, but how they're viewed in the SEC power structure because they're just, I mean, they're going to go in the deep end of, of college football with how just the resources that are committed in the SEC. And these brands are top notch. I get it. But like Texas's resources are endless. But it just, it feels like they could have 
maybe they become a one of them becomes a Nebraska and they leave this league and then they're just kind of a, a seven and five, eight and four team. It, it's just it'll be interesting to see what they become in the future. But for one last go in the Big Twelve, it was a lot of fun and and I do think that. They, these two are clearly on a collision course to being back in Arlington for the Big 12 championship game. I mean, because from what I'm seeing from the rest of the league right now, I just don't see anyone else that could potentially knock off these guys, you know, one or two more times. I just think they're destined to be on a collision course for December. So I was looking at Quinn Ewer's numbers from yesterday's Red River game and 31 for 37 for 346 yards. And you go, done, Texas won the game. Oh, yeah. Interception, two picks. I mean, two picks and one touchdown. Sorry. I mean, it just falls off. A 31 for 37 day where you throw for almost 350 and you only throw a touchdown and then you throw two interceptions. And so out of his two incomplete, out of his two of his six incompletions out of the almost 40 passes that he threw, two of them are interceptions. And Dylan Gabriel, on the other hand, did not make a mistake on his on his throwing. Goes for 285 and a touchdown through the air. Both of these teams went heavy on the ground, both running for over 40 times on the day. But it was Oklahoma's rushing attack. Dylan Gabriel himself with 113 yards on the ground. Jonathan Brooks for Texas, who is looking like a really, really uh, competent replacement for uh, uh, for Bijan Robinson. Robinson. I mean, he's 22 carries for 130 yards, but... They couldn't get it done, and uh, Oklahoma looks really scary. That that attack is still very, very balanced. 200 yards on the ground, 285 through the air. I'm not sure which team to be more afraid of if you're a BYU fan. I, I agree, and I, I thought it was noteworthy, too, out of the gates. I thought Oklahoma silenced any critics about them being a you know, soft team. A, you know, fake, like they were last a fake undefeated team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, because that opening drive, they get a pick on, on Ewers. And, I mean, I just remember even that opening kick – they, they just they swarmed to to the kick returner and had some hard hits. I mean, they just kind of set a tone from the get go. They were ready, and you know Texas has always seemed to be that team in this rivalry game where they kind of fold. Like I mentioned that Chris Sims game years and years ago, about twenty years ago. They just always seem to be the team where you feel like, okay, this is their season. They're going to roll through, go undefeated, but then. Red River comes, and Oklahoma is the team that seems to always tends to emerge. And then when you add the revenge element here, like they had this year, it worked quite well for them. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, their defense, too, was opportunistic. I mean, you know to Quinn Ewers, they, he had a stretch there where he completed 23 of 24 passes. One of those six incompletions was the final pass, at, you know, the Hail Mary to, to try to, you know, win it. But I mean, he had a great game, but Oklahoma's defense did enough. And they still have some moments where they're bend but don't break. But they've got enough star power, especially with Danny Stutzman in the middle. I think about about eight tackles. They they were just they were playing with a lot of violence, and that's something you just didn't see at all last year from would, Oklahoma. Okay, be honest. Would you prefer to not see these teams playing one another uh, in the Big Twelve Championship game? Is it some version? Are they both going to be playing one another? Is one of these teams going to be there and not the other come December uh, at the Big Twelve Championship game there at Jerry World? Well, if you ask me who I prefer, yes, I would prefer to not see both of them because I would love the element. You know, why have another SEC ceremony in Arlington? It's a swan song for the two best teams in the conference, at least for now. I would love to see, you know, maybe a you know a Texas Kansas rematch with Jalen Daniels potentially. I know that's does that just sound weird to you, Kansas in a Big Twelve title game? Maybe <laughs> though, uh, you know, it's possible. We'll we'll have our Big Twelve power rankings coming up on the other side, and we'll see where the Jayhawks land. But uh, it's just it's just hard to picture through six weeks, Alex. Anyone 
you know, anyone else right now. Like, it just seems like it's such a sizable gap. And, you know, tough time for, for the league because the last three years, this conference has had, you know, TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor uh, emerge, and they've been real threats where it doesn't seem like there's that real threat. Like, every game the rest of the way for both of these teams, Oklahoma and Texas, they're probably going to be double-digit favorites at yeah. least, and maybe even three touchdown favorites in most of these games. So yeah. it's going to take a remarkable upset for them to be knocked off by some of the other teams in the Big 12. I think if BYU is going to get to eight wins, you'll likely have to steal one from one of these teams. Yeah. Which one would you prefer, down in Texas, Oklahoma at home in November? I'd say Oklahoma because it's senior day, it's in Provo, it's the only time you're ever going to get – Boomer sooner into Provo. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be the spot. You got to think too, Alex, that the Big Twelve and the TV networks are going to put, you know, that as a late night game, right? Because the following week, Oklahoma has an early Black Friday game against TCU. I yeah. think at eleven a.m. I bet that's going to be a late night game. You know, cold weather. Oklahoma, you know, sometimes gets a little bit colder in November, but not to the levels that uh, Provo can get cold on a late fr- uh, Saturday night in November. So I think that's the game. If Cougar fans wanted to pick between the two, I think Oklahoma's one, especially now with yeah. what happened yesterday at Red River. If you're going to go four and three the rest of the way, which is uh, really what you got to do to be able to get to that uh, eight and four mark, if you're going to steal, you got to win three games that you have to win, and then you have to steal one that you're not supposed to win. And that may be that Oklahoma game at the very, very end of the season where you're going, all right, Oklahoma, the very next week, has got to play one, uh, but, you know, in a short week. So maybe BYU can kind of trap them there in Provo. That might be the one to get. All right. But I wouldn't kick either of those wins out of bed. Come on, Mitch. Any one of those. All right. You think any one of those. Come on. Sight unseen. Let's uh, take the break here. We'll come back. Hour number two. We've got tons to roll through. Our power rankings are finally here. Where we're going to put everybody this week? A lot of shuffling. You got to figure it out. We will come back. So many different names. Where's BYU on this list? They're creeping on up, aren't they? Stay with us right here. It is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio. It is first and twelve. Stay with us.